time of the day it is. Welcome to the Crown Table Unleashed. Are you ready to be motivated, inspired, and encouraged? It's time for you to get in step with the Spirit. Here is your host, Jeffy Clark III. Ladies and gentlemen, what's going on? What's going on? I hope you guys have been staying in step with the Spirit while I have been away working on your relationship with the good Lord. Y'all, listen, I've been gone, man, and I've been working on you guys' season two, and I've been building, and I've been constantly building, and and I've been adding, and and I've been been getting with the program. Listen, season two is going to be ecstatic. Ecstatic. Listen, I didn't know if I was gonna come in here and do a Christmas special, but I, I I decided to come in here and do a super Christmas special. Okay, we're gonna do a super Christmas special. We're gonna talk about Jesus Christ. We're gonna talk about why the nativity. Why is he in here for us? Why is he here for us? He is in the gap, ladies and gentlemen. He is in the gap for us. He is in the gap for us. He is that bridge to God for us to be one with the Father, ladies and gentlemen. And and I'm excited to tell this story. This is this is the story. Of, of of our Lord and Savior, right? Who, who who gave it all for us? And um listen, it's gonna be amazing. The New Year's Day special, ladies and gentlemen, the New Year's Day special. Man, listen, I am excited for the New Year's Day special. Excuse me, the New Year's Eve Day special, because it's gonna come out on New Year's Eve. And um, guys, listen, I am ready, I am ready, I am ready to deliver that word, that 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 powerful word that's coming out there on the New Year's. Eve day special guys i really want you to tune in for that be there for that and 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 and, and receive it because i'm telling you it's going to be a new birth it's a new birth god is changing your story it's not going to be the same it's not going to be the same it's not going to be the same but let's get into why the tip we got a lot to cover because most of this material ladies and gentlemen that i got going on right now i, I could break it up in segments guys but, but I, I got to give it to you right here on this new year's Eve day, day special and and as it always is with my podcast, ladies and gentlemen, this, this is a moment to to learn. This is the moment to 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 listen and 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 to really just hone in on it. So I am going to need um, some moments of your time. If I can't get it this morning, you know what I say always: I'm meeting you where you are, no matter what time time of the day it may be. So if I can get it in the afternoon, that's fine. That's totally fine. And guess what? And guess what? If you're busy, then I can always get it in the evening. It's, so it's just fine. It's just fine. This is here for you when you're ready to receive it, when you're ready to hear it. Um, so without further ado, let's just get right into it, into why the nativity, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're talking about today. Why the nativity of Jesus Christ? Why Jesus Christ is in the gap 
for us is what I'm calling it. Why is he in the gap? Why is he the bridge? Why is he the bridge for us, y'all? So let's get right into it. Every year we sing songs about it. We adorn our homes with scenes and reminders of it. We greet strangers with its glad tidings. And even a world a world ignorant of its purpose celebrates its remembrance. It is Christmas, the time of year when we rejoice in the earthly coming of Jesus Christ. It is the season when we all, the world, stands still at the celebration of this, the most significant event in human history. But even as believers, how often do we really focus our attention on this remarkable story? If we are truly honest, the answer is not very often. Instead, we spend Christmas time shopping for presents for those we love, cooking meals for family gatherings, and decorating our homes with festive lights and ornaments. Should we regret these holiday traditions that we share with those nearest and dearest to us? Of course not. Christmas is a wonderful time to embrace the blessings of our families and our wonderful time to embrace the blessings of, of, of one another. However, in the midst of these activities, we need to take the time to remember what Christmas is really all about and just why it had to happen the way it did. And there is so much more to this story than just the birth of a child in Bethlehem. This was a moment of fulfillment. This was the culmination of hundreds of years of prophecy from Genesis to Isaiah to Micah, the Old Testament is filled with prophecies concerning the Messiah. These ancient words regarded not only his coming, but also the manner of his coming, the location of his birth, his ancestry, his life, and even his death. This is the story that started in the Garden of Eden and ended with an empty tomb. But this is also a story about God's people, about their need for a savior about their need for a sacrifice that will cover their sins forever. This is a story about salvation. And although God supernaturally and sovereignly orchestrated each detail in both in the birth of his son, the Christmas story is filled with fascinating human profiles and personalities. Imagine being Mary. Imagine being Mary. Check it out now. A virgin carrying the son of God. Imagine being Joseph. Hmm? Come on, man. Imagine being Joseph, her loyal and faithful husband. Imagine experiencing visitations by angels sent by God, wrapped in the shroud of his holy mystery, are very human emotions. And then there are scenes worthy of cinematic experience. The Messiah, the King of Kings, born in the outdoor manger, and the first to worship him are lowly, dirty shepherds, the outcasts of society. And above, a magnificent star illuminates the heavens, leading a cast of Magi to come to see the child. This is the truest drama ever witnessed. 
this is the greatest plot ever written. So let us now rediscover all the beautiful, majestic, and divine elements of the Christmas story. We will see by examining question by question that this one moment in time was the pivotal moment of all time and that it was assembled in such a way that we can only say it was the work of God, ladies and gentlemen, the work of our God, because only he can do it, ladies and gentlemen. Why did Jesus become a man? I'm going to give you five reasons why Jesus came to earth, ladies and gentlemen, so stay on my heels. Can you imagine how Mary must have felt as she gazed at her newborn child, any child that is born in a miracle from heaven? But this child was indeed a gift. This child had been set apart from any other that had ever been born in the history of the world. But why? The angel Gabriel had spoken directly to her and her heart confirmed that what he said was true. The child that she, that she held was indeed the son of God. And yet Mary must have had many questions as well. I know I would ask some questions. Such as, why did Jesus become a man? The Bible provides five answers to this vital question. One, Jesus became a man to satisfy the prophecies of the Old Testament. In Luke 24, 44, we find Jesus said, All things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Everything said about him in the Old Testament had to be fulfilled in his coming. Do you realize that it would be almost possible to write, almost impossible to write a complete Christologically using only the Old Testament prophecies concerning Jesus? The Old Testament prophets spoke frequently about coming champion. Every page from Genesis to Malachi trembles with the wondrous anticipation of the coming of this champion. The prophetic books write, were written by many different writers at various times over many centuries. And yet together throughout the words of the prophets, there were glimmers of a savior, a king who would rescue his people and restore them to God. The prophet spoke of the one who was to come. In fact, there are more than 300 specific prophecies in the Hebrew scriptures about the promised Messiah. The hints were tantalizing. Isaiah said that the special del deliverer would be miraculously born of a virgin and that his name would be called Emmanuel. Isaiah wrote this not one year before it happened, not 10 years, but Hundreds of years before it took place. In the words of Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 and it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Michael offered a prediction that was both specific and startling. He said the king would be born in Bethlehem and that he would come from a distant past. When you read Michael 5, 2, here's what you learn. But you, Bethlehem, Ephraim, 
through you are a little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, who's going forth and from of old, from everlasting. Jeremiah prophesied that the birthplace of Jesus coming would suffer a, a massacre of infants. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 15 reads, Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, limitation and bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be confronted for her children because there are no more. Matthew chapter 2 verse 16 through 18 reveals the fulfillment of Jeremiah's prophecy. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all the districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah. The prophet saying, a voice was heard in Ramah, limitations, weeping of great mourning, Rachel's weeping for her children, refusing to be confronted because they are no more. More than 300 Old Testament prophecies about Jesus Christ have been fulfilled. A multiplication collected that the possibility of all these prophecies being fulfilled in one person is one in 83 billion. Two, Jesus became a man to show us the father. When Philip was talking with Jesus, he said, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the father. John 14 verses eight through nine. Jesus was God in a, in a body. So if you want to know who God is, you need to know who Jesus is because Jesus teaches you, teaches you who God is. When you see Jesus doing what he, what he did in the gospels, you are watching God at work. Do you want to know God? Get to know Jesus. That's why the only way you can become a Christian is to know Jesus because Jesus is the way that you know God. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God is our bridge, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus, excuse me. Jesus is our bridge, ladies and gentlemen. He is in the gap for us, man. He, we need him to get across. We need him. We got to have him. Three, Jesus became a man to save us from our sins. In 1 Timothy Chapter 1, verse 15, Paul wrote, This is a faithful saying and worthy, worthy of all acceptance. The Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Mm. We had to have a God, a God man to save us. And because Jesus was a God and a man, he lifted up and he lifted up one hand and took hold of of the father and with the other reached down and took hold of man of a man and at the cross in a moment of time he brought them together and now with his hands reached out he offers his salvation to all who will come if christ had not come 
The course of humanity will be one long, downward, hopeless, trudged toward the eternal night of despair. But the but Almighty God interrupted all of that. He shut down the cycle of sin by sending Jesus to be our Savior. If you never put put your trust in Jesus Christ, you cannot know him. And without knowing him, you cannot know God. And without accepting him, you cannot be forgiven. That's the purpose of his coming, to forgive our sins. Now, if you haven't been on my heels, I'm going to say this one more time for you so you can hear me. The purpose of his coming is to forgive our sins. I'm going to say this one more time so that you can understand and articulate what I'm saying with your comprehension. Listen to me. Just stay on my heels. I'm actually, I'm actually slowing this down for you. I'm slowing it down. I'm slowing it down. Because I want you to grab how you need, how much upright that you need to walk. The purpose of his coming is to forgive us for our sins. Number four. Jesus became a man to sympathize with our weaknesses. Hmm. Hmm. Not only is God wants to understand, it's not like God want to understand some of this stuff that's going on now. He wants to figure out what the problem is because there, there is indeed a problem. So number four, Jesus becomes a man to sympathize with our weaknesses. That's my next bullet for y'all. I'm going to give y'all five. This is number four. Jesus became a man to sympathize with our weaknesses. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, 14, I mean, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 through 16, we read, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. God is sympathizing with us, man. He understands. God, your God understands. You think he do not understand what you are going through? He understands everything that you are going through. You may think, you may think he don't understand that you, that you can't get something paid. You may think that he doesn't understand that your finances not meeting up. You may think that you don't under, he don't understand that you just lost a loved one and you can't figure out where you're going from here to there. You may think that he don't understand that the dots ain't connected for you, that the plans that you laid down in place ain't coming through for you. You may think that he don't understand, but I'm telling you, he understands. Look at I'm going off. I'm supposed to talk about the activity. I'm going to preach to y'all. Listen, he understands to you. He understands. Never think that God don't understand. He understands. He understands, ladies and gentlemen. He understands. Do you know why you can go to Jesus without with whatever is going on in your life? Here we go. And know that he hears you and understands you because he came down here to experience everything that we've experienced apart from sin. How? Wow. <laughs> I'm experience everything y'all got going on. I'm spending all the emotion. I'm experience all the hurt. I'm experience all the pain. I'm experience all the all, all, the, all the defeat. I'm, I'm I'm experience everything, but what I ain't gonna do is touch on that sin. That's what I. That's what I ain't gonna do. 
that's what I ain't gonna do. I, I ain't, I ain't, that's what I ain't gonna do. I ain't gonna touch on that. Dr. Maxwell Maltz is a plastic surgeon. He tells of a man who had been injured attempting to save his parents in a terrible fire. His elderly parents died in that fire. And he was burnt over a great part of his body, his face badly disfigured. He mistakenly interpreted what had happened to him as some sort of punishment from God for not having gotten his parents out safely. In his anguish, he refused to let anyone see him, not even his wife. So she went to see Dr. Maltz for help. He said, I can fix him. But she knew her husband would turn down any offer of plastic surgery when she visited him again. He asked why she had come. She said, I want you to dis I want you to disfigure my face so that I can be like him. If I can share his pain, then maybe he will let me back in his life. Maltz wrote, I had never heard anything like that in my life. <laughs> I had always been paid to help people look better. She wanted me to make her look like her husband. He wouldn't do it, but he decided to go and tell her husband what she had said. He knocked on the man's door and said loudly, I am a plastic surgeon, and I want you to know that I can restore your face. There was no response. Please come out, he said. Again, no answer. Still speaking through the door, Dr. Moats told the man told the man of his wife's proposal. She wants me to disfigure her face to make her face like yours in the hope that you will let her back into your life. That's how much she loves you. There was a brief moment of silence. And then ever so slowly, the doorknob began to turn. The way that woman felt about her husband is the way God feels about you and me. He took on our face and our disfigurement. He became a man so that God would become touchable, approachable, and reachable. Ooh, stay on my heels. The way the woman felt about her husband is the way God feels about you and me. He took on our face and our disfigurement. He became a man so that God would become touchable, approachable, and reachable. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Whatever you have been through, you can be sure that God has been all the way to the end of that road. All the way to the end of that road. And when you pray, he will embrace you with his love and say, I have been there and I have experienced that. What a way to know that. And it, it, what a way to know that. We serve a God that loves us so much that he has knows exactly what I'm going through. That the exact same feelings that you're having, he has experienced. It's a beautiful thing. When you sit and you and you think and you're just like, man, wow, God is 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 it's it's amazing. It's amazing. The sacrifice that he put on to 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 give us Jesus is, is something else. 
It's something else. This is my last one, number five. Jesus became a man to secure our hope of heaven. The glory place. The upper room. Oh, we're gonna get that mansion. We're gonna see them streets paved of clear gold. He came down so that we could go up. Galatians chapter one, verse twenty seven says, Christ in you. The hope of glory until Christ comes to live within your heart, you are not fit for heaven. The only way you can live in heaven is with Christ in you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. There is one way to God. You come to God by coming to Jesus because Jesus is God. And Jesus is the one who paid the penalty for our sins. And one day, if we live until he returns, we'll hear the trumpet and we'll go up to be with him. And if we should die before he comes, our body will go in the grave and our spirit will go to be with him. If almighty God has fulfilled all that he said about the first coming of Christ, then everything he says about the second coming will be fulfilled in the same precise way ain't gonna be no misses charlie was 10 school was out for christmas and the family had chosen to spend the holiday in the country the boy pressed his nose against the against the bay window of the vacation home and and marvel at the british winter they were experiencing he was happy to trade the blackened streets of london for the cotton white freshness of the snow-covered hills his mom invited him to go for a drive and he quickly accepted the snake it the snake the car down a twisty road that tries crunching the snow as they went and the boy puffed his breath on the window if you if you've never lived in the midwest you won't understand that but if it's a marvelous thing that happens at a certain time of the year he was thrilled. The mother, however, was a bit anxious. She could tell this was more than a normal storm. Heavy snowfall came down, visibility lessened, and as she looked to look as she took the curve, the car started to slide and it didn't stop until it was in a ditch. She tried to drive out of the ditch, but she couldn't do it. Little Charlie pushed pushed. She pressed the gas, but they were just digging themselves in deeper. They were really stuck, and they needed help. A mile down the road, there was a house, and and off they went and knocked on the door. Of course, the woman told them, told them, of course you can come in. Please come in and warm yourselves. The phone is yours, she offered them tea and cookies and urged them to stay until the help arrived. An ordinary event. Don't suggest that suggest that to the woman who opened the door. She has never forgotten that day. She retold the story a thousand times as if she she only told it once. And who could blame her? It's not often it's not often that royalty appears on your porch. For the two travelers stranded by the by the English winter were no less than Queen Elizabeth and her and her heir to the throne, 10-year-old Charles. I wouldn't forget that day, would you? But I, I want to tell you something. For more, for more wonderful than 
than that has happened. The message of Christmas is that royalty has walked down our streets. Heaven's prince has knocked on our door. Amen. And God has moved into the neighborhood. Hello. He is one of us. Almighty God is here. And he has, he has you in his heart today. We do not serve a God who is far away. We serve a God who is close at hand. For he has come to be with us. He is our savior. The Christ of Christmas is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he is, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, guys. That was my five topics to y'all, to you guys about, um, um, about Jesus Christ and why he came. Listen, it's it. I, I, I am so, I am so thankful. I am so glad. I am, I am so, so gracious for God giving us Jesus Christ. You know, for to help us get through and, and, and to be able to, to, to do the things that we need to do and, and, and be as great, to be as great as we need to be. Okay. And, um, guys, listen, he is our bridge. He is our bridge. He is our bridge. All right, y'all. Why Joseph? Why, 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 why Joseph? And this is gonna. This is about how God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. Regular people. And I'm gonna talk about specifically why, why he chose Joseph. The goal of many young people today is to someday be famous. Yeah, they true. They want to be rappers, and movie stars, all that stuff. Celebrity endorsements influence the popularity of breakfast cereal, sportswear, and even elections of our highest officials in the land. In Joseph's day, men did not desire prestige, but rather a good reputation. The decision to stand by Mary and for God was not an easy choice to make. We learn through his story that when we trust and obey God, he mysteriously unfolds his plan and purpose for us. And in this case, for the whole world. He is sometimes referred to as the forgotten man of Christmas, Joseph. The man who was chosen to be the adoptive father of our Lord. The one who would protect the infancy of the savior of the world. In the word of God, Joseph stands silent. He is spoken to, he is spoken about, but not a single syllable crosses his lips. He is viewed by many people as just a bit player in extra in the Christmas drama. According to Matthew, genealogically, Joseph was a potential king, a person of royal blood, yet we know very little about him. He appears on the scene for a moment and then disappears. Judging from Mary's sacrifice of two turtle doves, we may assume that he was a poor man. We do know he was a carpenter and as such, most probably a simple and practical man. He would have liked the feel of wood and stone, the satisfaction of building something sound and useful. We can imagine 
that like Mary, he envisioned an orderly and ordinary life. He would pursue his craft, maintain a good name in the community, attend the synagogue, and raise a family. You should know that in Jewish culture, unlike our own, the groom was the focus of the wedding. Joseph must have looked forward to the celebration and the simple life that will follow of taking Mary into his household of having children. The carpenter was fashioning a well-constructed life, but after the angel Gabriel told Mary that she would conceive by means of Holy Spirit and bear bear the Messiah, Mary left town and didn't tell Joseph about her visit from the angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 39 through 40 says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste in a hurry to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb? Blessed is she who believed. Luke 1 chapter 42 Excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 42, 42 and 45. Joseph's discovery of Mary's baby. We read Joseph's discovery, discovery of Mary's baby in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Though engaged, there had been no physical union, yet here is Mary with child. But how do you explain that? It is it probable that even her parents neither understood nor accepted her story? But according to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the betrothal agreement had been signed, dory gifts had been given, and friends and relatives knew of the couple's Exposure. And then Joseph discovers Mary's baby. Joseph got a dilemma going on here. Joseph's dilemma over Mary's baby. I know he he just walking around looking crazy. Trying to figure out what's going on. Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 says, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Joseph desired desired to shield Mary from public shame and had decided to quietly divorce her. Look, Joseph was like, hey, man, look, you, we, we, this, this ain't finna work. This ain't finna work. Perhaps he concluded that Mary had committed adultery, which is the first natural, which is the, the natural thought. But she was a godly woman and would have never violated her purity and their engagement. Maybe she had been raped. But she would have told him so. A third option was that Mary had been chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah. Just as she had said, Joseph was a devout man, a Hebrew, and surely he pondered the fact that the Messiah was to be born in the house of David. So what could he do? Not to divorce Mary might represent failure to uphold the spirit of the law. 
Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 23 to 24. Go read that when you have the time. But to the midst of publicly vast unthinkable, he did not consider her guilty. He was in a position of not being able to condemn her or fully justify her pregnancy. So he decided to secretly divorce her. God had made a special vessel of this noble Hebrew woman and not to and not wanting to interfere with God's mysterious purposes. He would set Mary aside to be obedient to God. Joseph was willing to give up the woman he so dearly loved. Joseph's dream about Mary's baby. Now, here we go. When, when God begins to intercede, when, when, when we start to move and make start making decisions that's, that's going to disrupt God's plan, he, 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 he going to come down and he, he going to start, he going he gonna to give you some visions. He going to talk to you. Then Joseph had a dream. Here it is in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. We read. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You got on son of angel on assignment. Saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. What relief does the words must have been to Joseph? So to, to to get this answer from God that 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 this is okay, that this is good, and what and what's in her is something holy. Now I gotta have an explanation, right? Definitely. The word for dream means to have a vision while you're asleep, not while you're awake. When the angel said Joseph, son of David, we see God's prophetical word being fulfilled and his providence being carried forth that this child should be of the lineage of David though Joseph was not Jesus physical father by his marriage to Mary he would give Jesus the true legal status because he was of the house and lineage of David Luke chapter 2 verse 4 the angel then explained that Joseph should have not should have no hesitation in taking Mary to be his wife because her pregnancy was of the Holy Spirit. Joseph now understood that the whole matter had been orchestrated by the Lord. The, the Lord furthered instructed Joseph that the child's name would be Jesus for he would save his people from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. And as verse 25 states, Joseph called his name Jesus, showing his obedience to God. Here's the revelation. Matthew goes on to reveal that Jesus' virgin birth fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Notice the article before the word virgin. He did not speak of a virgin. He spoke of the virgin, the virgin Mary, 
both Isaiah and Matthew point to a very specific person. Now Joseph has a decision about Mary's baby. Matthew chapter one, verse 24 to 25 says, then Joseph being aroused arose, excuse me, arose from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth the, her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. What happened in Joseph's life illustrates what often happens in ours. Max Licato describes Joseph as being caught between what God says and what makes sense. Have you ever been caught there between what God says and what makes sense? Yet, as Licato observes, Joseph didn't let his confusion disrupt his obedience. Hmm? He didn't know everything, but he did what he knew. God made sure that everything in his plan would be carried out to the Manutist detailed because the purity of Jesus must be protected. This baby most doubtedly be the son of the Holy Spirit and not the son of Joseph. Chapter 1 of his gospel, Matthew reiterates this reality so clearly. In verse 18, we read, before they came together, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20 says, that which is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. Verse 23 says, behold, the virgin shall be with child. And again, as verse 25 says, Joseph did not know her till she had brought forth her first born son jesus was the child of almighty god conceived in mary by the holy spirit as for joseph he was chosen by god to be jesus adoptive father and as such he played a magnificent role but the question is why joseph to fulfill god's plan god needed a carpenter he needed a man who was sturdy stable and practical yet sensitive to the voice of god he needed one who could who would stand quietly with a young virgin who might have seen an object of ridicule yet who carried in her womb the hope of the world joseph was strong but compassionate he was able to to lead a lead the tiring expedition to bethlehem and to into the stable to love and encourage the mother of christ joseph as the man of the house was the teacher to give to give Jesus his first lessons in the law of God and, and, and in Jerusalem. When the boy was 12, it became evident that his first allegiance must be to another father. Joseph was the man to humbly and silently step back and let God step forward. Amazingly, Joseph never spoke a word in the Christmas story, but what he did speak volumes to us all one of the lessons that comes from the life of joseph is this that the most important thing in the whole world can happen to the least important people in the world that the king of kings had the lord of lords can take up resonance in the most ordinary of lives that the greatest somebody who ever lived can 
can come to nobodies like Joseph and Mary and like you and like me. And isn't this very out attitude that God requires from us? Lord God, just tell me what to do and I will do it. I will be obedient anytime, any place, anywhere, anything. Lord God, I don't understand it. And it doesn't make sense. As far as I know, it's never happened. But in the history of the world, it but if you say it it it, it will, it will do it. A British student was having a good time in England studying engineering in his spare time, riding his motorcycle all over the English countryside. On a cold and rainy night, he crashed his motorcycle in a remote section of England and lay injured on the road for many hours. By the time he was hospitalized, pneumonia had set in, and doctors gave him two weeks to live. During those two weeks, a letter arrived from his father, who was a missionary in Angola. The letter, written many months before the accident, finally arrived by ship. The young man opened the letter and read his father's first words. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. These words so stabbed his heart that he gathered up his strength, pulled himself out of bed, and kneeled down to pray, Lord, you have won. I now own, own you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And Lord, if you will heal my body, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost. The boy recovered and went on to become a powerful pastor and evangelist. Now with the Lord, his name was Stephen Alford, God brought him into a position of significant usefulness through the tragedy of an accident, but most of all through the willingness to say anywhere, anytime, at any cost. And that is, that's essentially what Jesus said when asked to come to come to earth as our Savior. Lord God, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Reflecting the prophetical words of Psalms chapter 40, verse 7 through 8. Then said, I lo, I come in the volume of of the book it is written of me i delight to do the, thy will oh my oh my god yea the law is within my heart see also hebrews chapter 10 verse 7 mary echoed the same commitment to god after the angel announced that she would give birth to the savior of of the world in luke chapter 1 verse 38 says she says, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to the word. In other words, anywhere, anytime, at any cost. And when Joseph received the angel's message, he walked away from the, from the maid human sense to do what God asked him to do. Anywhere, anytime, at any cost. Are we willing to say, Lord, I will serve you anywhere, anytime, at any cost long ago? That was the road to Bethlehem, and today it is the road to victory in the life of a true believer. It is a happy day when we recognize that we don't have to completely understand everything that God is doing in order to obey. God reserves the right to give us what we need to know as we need to know it and reveal the rest in due time. Some some of the most exciting things that have happened to me have been when I said yes before I even knew what I was saying yes to. I knew it was from God and then it unfolded and think of what unfolded 
from the obedience of Joseph. Mary and the Lord, it has unfolded right into our hearts today and made it possible for me to say that if you have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can do that today because what Jesus and Mary and Joseph did was all part of the drama of redemption to make salvation available to every person. Joseph and Mary could not possibly have known the eternal things that would happen from the obedience, but thank God they obeyed. And most of all, thank God for his indescribable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to be our Savior. Second Corinthians Chapter 9, verse 14. Guys, listen. Listen, guys. It is amazing to see what God can do. It is amazing to see God do the work. It's, it's, it's amazing to see God live throughout our lives. It's amazing to be able to say, I hear from him. It's amazing to be able to say, I can see what he's doing. It's amazing to be able to say, I can feel what he's doing. Listen to me. God is in your life. And at this moment right now, you have the opportunity to, to say, God, I'm ready for the, the yes. We need the yes in our lives, ladies and gentlemen. We need to have the yes in our lives. Now I'm going to talk about why Mary. We just got through with Joseph. We kind of have a better understanding of, of why Joseph. Now we're going to have why Mary. Why did God choose Mary as the virgin woman? I know it was plenty of other virgin women he could have chose, but he chose this one in particular, and her name was Mary. Three characteristics of godliness that's illustrated in Mary's life. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is known better than any other female character in the Bible. She has been the best-known woman in the world since the days in Bethlehem. And after centuries, the statement still stands. Blessed are you among women. That's Luke chapter 1 verse 28. Every person in the Bible has their story in the Bible. Not so that we could learn about them particularly. But to learn from their walk with God. There is much to be learned from Mary. Mary teaches us the submission of godliness. Here we go. First of all, Mary teaches us the submission of godliness. In Luke chapter 1, verse 38, we read those words. We read these words, excuse me. Then Mary said, Behold, the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. From the very beginning of Mary's relationship with Jesus, it was all about submission. Submission. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary with the news that she was to be the human mother of the Messiah, Mary had no warning. She had no preparation. She had no timeline. She had no precedent. The entire dialogue between Mary and the angel took place in Mary's home. When the angel intervened in her life, Mary learned that she would bear a son and that his name would be Jesus. And she was told that this birth would be unlike any other child ever born. She was to have a child without having a relationship with a man. He would be a child of the Holy Spirit. See how Mary responded to the news that she was to become the mother of the Messiah. She said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, 
Let it let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't comprehend it. But whatever you desire, be it unto me according to your word. Now, Mary must have wondered in her heart, why have I been favored to be the mother of Jesus? Why me? The reason she was chosen are not told, told are not told to us in the word of God. They're known only to God himself. But it is clear from studying her life and the little information that we have that she was no random selection. She was an ordinary small-time girl, and she would be obedient and courageous as she was. From her son, we learned that she was a woman of scripture, a woman of faith. She would be a virgin a virgin that the glory of God might be miraculously demonstrated. She should be a she should be a peasant in the keeping with the humble of nature of the Lord's birth. Mary was all of these things. She honored honor and obeyed the will of her father, providing his only son a home from which he could emerge to launch the work that would define all of human history. The child Jesus toddled behind Mary in his infancy, and then in time she walked behind him. In fact, she walked behind him all the way to the cross and all the way to the tomb. Mary teaches us that submission of godliness. There comes a moment when God asks each of us to do something that we should obey, and we face the same dilemma that she did. Will we accept the turn Will we accept or turn from it? When God asks me to do something that may be hard or certainly that I don't understand, I might, and my prayer is that I will rise up in obedience with the words of Mary. Be unto me according to your word. Lord, whatever you want, I am your servant. I will do what you ask me to do. If you have been fighting with something God has been asking you to do, let me ask you to go back and learn the submission of God of godliness from Mary and let your words be hers. Lord God, it is be to me according to your word. I will do what you tell me to do. Thank you. I missed that. So I'm going to say it again. If you have been fighting with something God has been asking you to do, I ask that you go back and learn the submission of godliness from Mary and let her words be hers. Lord God, let it be according to your word and I will do what you tell me to do. Still my heels, guys. Mary teaches us the surprise of godliness. Mary teaches us not only the submission of godliness, she teaches us the surprise of godliness. The adventure of walking with Jesus Christ is the greatest adventure you will ever know on this earth. Heaven will be better, but nothing before that will be. To know that you are related to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that the creator of the universe has sent his son to live within you, within your life, that you have a direct communication to Almighty God that you can fellowship with him and that he will direct 
God is strengthening and be with you. That is truly a great adventure. But it's also full of surprises. The word of God tells us that when you walk with the Lord, he doesn't always give you information about the distant future. It is sort of like a need to know basis kind of thing, right? Isn't that the way it is? And that was the way it was with Mary. Mary's whole relationship with Jesus Christ was a relationship of surprise. When Gabriel made his startling announcement to Mary concerning the birth of Jesus, here is how Mary first responded. She said, she said, when she saw him, she was troubled and his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. Luke one twenty nine. Mary had no preparation for this assignment. God surprised her with this message of his plan for his life. Mm, how many times have we had a plan and God has came in swiftly and changed it and left us in surprise. I am testament to that. It was a surprise. I did not expect that this was going to happen. But I am surely surprised. And we don't, don't we all get surprised by the Lord sometimes? And when the shepherds told Mary and Joseph what the angel had said about Jesus at his birth, she became quite quietly pensive. We read, and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2, chapter 2, verse 18 through 19. Mary collected all these truths and deposited them, deposited them within the deep recesses of her heart. She did not discuss them with others. She just thought them through herself. Have you ever had a moment when Almighty God speaks to you or something happens that you can't explain? It causes you to pause and ponder what God has said. Like Mary, we often find ourselves surprised in our walk with God. And like Mary, we do not have a blueprint for our lives or for those of our children. But when we submit to the Lord by faith, we discover he always is there for us. He hears our prayers. He meets every need. Mary teaches us the suffering of godliness. Oh, now here we go. Now I'm going to tell you about the suffering of godliness. All the happy and all the glory and, and everything that comes with it. There's, there's a certain suffering that comes with and it's also a, a, a fruit that we should also have um you know we, we're looking at the fruits of the spirit and, and characteristics and qualities that you should have but let's talk about it stay on my heels for it now mary teaches us the submission of godliness and the surprise of it but finally we need to pause from the joy and the gladness of christmas here come the truth and remember that christmas is only Meaningful in the light of the fact that it is the beginning and not the end. Christmas by itself is a beautiful story and nothing more. But when you put Christmas together with with Easter, when you realize that the, the cradle and the grave have a straight line drawn between them, then Christmas becomes more profound and more meaningful. Mary also teaches us the suffering of godliness. We move from the announcement of Jesus' birth to the agony of his death there's no reason for the cradle if there isn't any cross and so the transition from the birth of jesus to his death is a normal and natural one jesus christ was born to die that's what he came to that 
That's why he came to this earth. Jesus made seven distinct statements from the cross in his dying, dying hour before he gave gave up his spirit to the father. And those seven statements are found in all of the gospels. Here we go. The first word from the cross is is in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. That is his prayer for God to forgive those who were crucifying Jesus Christ. So even in that moment, even in that moment when Jesus was being crucified, he still found himself pushing love and asking God to forgive us for what they have done. If we can, if if we can have some of that, if we can embody that, that is what is hard for humans to do. And when, when they are crossed, when we are crossed, cut, stabbed in the back, and, and kicked, and mud thrown on us, dirt thrown on us, sand thrown on us, whatever it may be, to forgive those, to truly forgive those that are that have harmed us, to truly forgive those that are harmed us. The second word was in Luke twenty three, chapter forty three. Luke chapter 23, verse 43, excuse me. Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a word. That's a word of forgiveness to the repentant thief who was hanging next to Jesus. He believed in that moment to save him, to say to, to, to the man next to him that he was the Messiah. For that faith to fall on him like that in that moment. In that moment of 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 belief and and to be able to go, and and Jesus say, hey, I'm gonna go and take you with me because that's the kind of faith I'm talking about. That fall upon me faith. Whew. The fourth word was in Matthew twenty twenty seven forty six, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, "Ele ele lama sabatana." That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A word of recognition spoken to the Father in heaven. He's God even 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 in, in the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, he was able to ask God, Why have you forsaken me? Don't we do it every day? We 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 do it we do it every day when, when we feel like we can't get a bill paid. And it's the end of and it's the end of the world. We feel like that when we lose a job. We feel like that when when we ain't when we can't connect the dots A, B, and C together. We can feel like that when 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 we making plans and the plans don't come to like they want to be. And Jesus, by him being in the flesh, he could feel that same pain. He knows your he knows it. He knows the pain. He knows it. He knows it. He knows it. The fifth word is in John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that he, that all things were now accomplished, the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. The sixth word. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And by bowing his head, he gave up on his spirit. And the seventh word is, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Now, if you watch carefully, you saw that I left out the third one. Mm, yeah, I know y'all was wondering. Third one out. And I left it out on purpose because in many res respects, it doesn't seem to fit. 
Here it is. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And then the hour that the, the and from the hour that disciple took her to his own home. John chapter 19, verse 20, 26 to 27. You may wonder why that is. So surprising in the last moments of his life here on earth, he turned his thoughts away from the events of the cross to concern his mother. According to the cross that day were the onlookers and the bystanders. The critics of our Lord were there. Those who had mocked him with their words. Some were heard to say, if you are the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross. The chief priests, the scribes, the elders and the Jews pointed their fingers at him and shouted, if you are Christ, save yourself. And some of Jesus friends were also there. John mentioned some who were present that day. If you merge the two lists where the names are given, you will discover that Mary, Jesus' mother, and Mary, the wife of Calapas, and Solomon, and John's mother, and Mary Magdalene, and John, his beloved disciple, were there. Isn't it interesting? Three Marys were at the cross. Jesus turned to John in one of the last moments on the cross and concerned himself with the well-being of Mary. And the scripture says that when they left, the place of crucifixion, John took Mary to his own home. It has to be one of the most tender moments in all of the New Testament record. Jesus' first three words from the cross were about others. Father, forgive them, but they do not know what they do. Today you will be with me in paradise. And John, that's my mother. You take care of her. The record concerning Mary and John is filled with insights about godliness translated into our culture and into our very homes. As we think back through the life of Jesus and his mother, we identify with what they have experienced. experienced. In fact, in the Christmas story, there is little prophecy that makes us look into the crucifixion. Do you remember when Jesus was taken to the temple by his parents and presented to Anna? And to Simon, it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 34 through 35. Then Simon placed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is dis destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of of many hearts may be revealed these words recorded by luke were spoken by simon when jesus as an infant was presented to simon and anna in the temple now the bible says that simon took jesus in his arms and blessed god and then simon turned to mary and prophesied the words that we just read and he told mary that her child would be the cause of much sorrow and much pain in her life he spoke, the, spoke of a sword piercing through her own soul. This prophecy was given 
30 years before the crucifixion, but it was fulfilled as Mary watched her son being beaten, nailed to the cross. Mary knew more pain in her life than most of us will ever know. She knew about the godliness of suffering the day jesus was crucified mary experienced a fulfillment of simon's words and the sword pierced through her soul james stalker a writer of the new testament truth has written some wonderful books of of the life of the lord jesus describing this moment in mary's life he wrote there's jesus hung before her eyes but she was helpless his wounds bled but she dared not touch him this mouth was parched, but she could not moisten. It's the nails pierced her as well as him. The thorns round his brows were a circle of flame around her heart. The baby of Bethlehem, the boy of Nazareth, the brownie workman of the carpenter stop, the gentle man of Galilee, the teacher without equal, the mighty man of Merck of merciful miracles the humble man of patience and, and grace her own son is now writhing before her own eyes in the throes of agony and death jesus grew up just like our children grow up those memories of his early days no doubt played through her mind as she stood watching the awful apparent ending of his life that was all part of mary she remembered those moments the hands and feet she had held when he was an infant were now nailed to the cross. The disciples would leave him. His friends would forsaken him. The nations would reject him. But his mother was there to the very end. In these two snapshots of Mary, this, his birth, his death, were reminded that God wants us to learn from the people of the Bible and that and that from Mary, we learn the submission of godliness and the surprise of it. And then a lesson we would we would rather not learn the suffering of it. This is a part of the life. We either embrace it and learn from it or we spend our entire existence on this earth fighting against something which we can never overcome. Our Lord suffer, suffered, Mary suffered, and we also experience the suffering that comes with living. We have much much to learn from this godly woman here's the remarkable thing as it relates to mary mary was the mother of jesus but she needed jesus to be her savior as much as every one of us the magnificent reveals this truth my soul magnifies the lord and my spirit has rejoiced in in god my savior luke chapter 1 verses 46 through 47 as fantastic as this is the savior who was born in the womb of mary had been born again in the heart of mary and the savior whose birth was to, we celebrate during this during this season is a savior who must be born in our hearts as well he comes into the hearts from from the outside and the question i have to ask you today is this have you invited him to come into your heart and take up his residency with inside of you guys listen we got to have him we got to have him we got to have him why do we call him savior though why 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 is he why is he our savior? Why is he our savior? Why is he our savior? The glory of God's promise of a savior. The glory of God's promise as a savior. Why we call him him savior? Why do we call him savior? What is a name? Choosing a name is 
is for your expected child takes months of of discussion and research to find just the right name. But the same savior describes God's purpose is sending Jesus to earth. The the incorporable Lord Jesus Christ was called lamb of God, man of sorrows, prince of peace, God, shepherd, mighty God, bright and morning star, Emmanuel, day spring, rock judge, bread of life, king of kings, teacher, light of the world, servant, and the only way to heaven. The Bible uses more than 300 names and titles to describe Jesus, but Jesus came no more, can no more be contained in these names and titles than we call contain the ocean in collection of beautiful bottles. Charles Haddon Spurgeon often expressed his frustration in trying to wrap his arms around the character of Jesus on one occasion he wrote i know my words cannot honor him according to his merit i wish they could indeed i grow less and less satisfied with the thoughts and language concerning him he is too glorious for my feeble language to describe him if i could speak with tongues of men and angels i could not i could not speak worthily of him if i could borrow all of the the harmonies of heaven and endless and every harp song and every glorified word we're not the music sweet enough for his press for his praises how do you describe the greatness of the lord jesus jesus is the name of the lord person personality and emmanuel is the name of his proximity to us but savior Oh, that name, that is the name of the Lord's earthly mission. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of, in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Luke chapter two, verse 10 through 11. Israel's Israel's past abounded with human saviors but jesus took the title of savior and gave it gave it a new and eternal meaning the title defines both his life and his death for luke for luke chapter 19 verse 10 says for the son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost the promise of the savior for unto you is born this day the city of david a savior, which is Christ the Lord. Luke chapter two, verse 11, the King James version. This prom- promise follows up Isaiah's old Testament prophecies for unto us, a child is born unto us. A son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. And just months before Jesus birth, God re- reiterated that the same promise to joseph and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins the purpose of the savior ladies and gentlemen again luke chapter 2 verse 11 says for there is born to you this day a savior who is christ the lord in the in the gospel jesus speaks very frequently about the purposes of his incarnation why did jesus come in essence to do his father's business for example one day he encountered a strange little man named zekazu and a man of wealth and 
expectation. Yet when Jesus passed through his town, this Jewish tax collector ran ahead of the crowd and climbed into a tree to get a better view. Jesus called him by name and, and invited him to lunch. And when and when the townspeople heard about it, they were angry because they hated Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus fraudulent ways and when they questioned jesus about eating such persons his response was for the son of man has come to seek the same that which was lost the savior is needed to seek the lost zacchaeus ladies and gentlemen i'm sorry about that zacchaeus was the name of that the savior is needed to seek the lost again from luke chapter 19 verse 10 jesus came to seek and save that which was lost so First, he had to seek us, seek us out. A certain course says, I found what wanted what I wanted when I found the Lord. It is a good tune, but bad theology. We weren't seeking the Lord. He was seeking us. In Luke, we are told about the lost sheep, the lost coin and the lost son. All of them had to be sought to be found and observe the music and majesty of Jesus statement in Luke chapter 19 verse 10 there is one focus the lost and too anxious to seek and to save Jesus came to earth as a rescue mission aren't you glad you have been rescued the savior is needed to save the lost when we think about being saved we picture sailors chant clinging to the wreckage of a ship helicopters hovering over a night sky shining their beacons on the sea in search of the living we think of a collapsed mine where workers are trapped far beneath the earth their oxygen runs low and men crouch in darkness wondering wondering if they dare hope for salvation we think of a little girl in the bathroom of a whale the coast guard will find those lost sailors the miners will not be abandoned and the little girl must see the sunshine once more. But these temporal situations are transcended by the tragedy of people who are lost in the rubble of their own sin, darkness and pain. And often without knowing what they are longing for, lost people are crying out to be rescued. But until we are willing to admit to God that we fall sh fall short of his glorious perfection when whatever Jesus may have done for us will not make any difference. He does not force himself upon us. He paid the penalty for our sin, but waits for us to accept by faith his gifts of eternal salvation. The provision of the savior. There's a promise of a savior. The purpose of the savior and finally, the provision of the Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. In fact, of history is born this day. For unto you is born this day a Savior. There was a specific moment in which the Lord God was born into humanity. When he arrived through the Virgin Mary on a certain day, in a certain place, at a certain time, he was born into humanity. The Bible is clear that Jesus' birth was a historic event. His birth is not the beginning of a spiritual force, but the record 
of a person who had an actual birthday, a fulfillment of prophecy in the city of David. Jesus, Jesus' birth is also a fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Again, the biblical text says, for unto you is born this day, the city of David, the city of David, the city of David is the city of Bethlehem. As the prophets Micah predicted, put you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, through you are little among the thousands of Judah. Yet out of you shall come from to me the one to be ruler in Israel. Though who's going forth are from of old, from everlasting. Micah 5 2 written 700 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This prophecy is nothing short of a miracle. A foundation of eternity until you is born a savior. The birth of Jesus was also a foundation for eternity until you is born a savior. Jesus Christ is our savior. God entered into humanity so that humanity would be able to enter eternity. The birth of Jesus, while it happened, it at a point is a time began something that will never end. Christmas blues are sometimes called SAD syndrome, seasonal affective disorder. We must stop thinking about Christmas and, and start thinking about Christ. Y'all ain't know my heels. Stop thinking about Christmas. Start thinking about Christ. He is our prophet, priest, and king. He is the master, the bridge groom, and the good shepherd. He is the only one of God. He is Emmanuel, God with us, and his name is Jesus. John introduced him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John 129. The Maggie recognized him as the king of the Jews. Matthew 2 2. Thomas called him my Lord and my God. John 20 28. Christmas is Christmas is all about Christ. It is about presence. Isn't about presence. It's about his presence. You may not have family nearby, but your father is close at hand. When you when you get depressed, refocus your attention on the one who loves you more than you can dream. Who came to this earth to be your savior? In the mountains of Virginia, there existed one room schoolhouse where no teacher had lasted more than a few weeks. Mean spirited boys thought their their main objective in life was to run off everyone who tried. One day, a young teacher applied applied for the job. The director of the school said, son, because of your age, you're going to take an awful beating. Well, said the teacher, I'm going to risk it. On his first day, he walked into the classroom and noticed that the kids had gathered up around a guy named Tom, big old Tom. He was the class bully. Loud enough so that the new teacher could hear Big old Tom said I'll take care of this one I won't need anyone's help He'll be gone by the end of the day When the young teacher stood Before the class he said I have come to conduct this class But I must confess That I cannot do it without your help We need a few rules And I want you to help me What, ru what rules do you think we ought to have Such a suggestion had never been had never been before as a teacher went to the blackboard one kid hollered no stealing the teacher wrote it wrote it on the board nobody can be late he added 
to the list, but the time he had finished, 10 rules were instituted to which everyone agreed. But as they were agreeing, they laughed out loud. Now, said the teacher, there is no such thing as a good rule without a penalty if the rule is broken. Big old Tom stood up and said, whoever breaks one of these rules gets 10 licks across his bare back. The teacher thought thought the penalty was a bit severe. And obviously this story is dated, but he agreed. On the following day, Big Tom told the teacher somebody stole him, stole my lunch. So the teacher said, class, one of our rules is now is, is no stealing. Somebody stole Big Tom's lunch and I want to know who. After everyone had been questioned, a little 10 year old boy stood up and said, I stole his lunch. I was so hungry. I couldn't help it. Well, the teacher said, you know, the penalty, 10 licks across your bare back. The little boy began to beg, teacher, please don't do don't do that. And whatever you do, don't make me take off my coat. The teacher, knowing that he was on trial, made the young boy unbutton his coat underneath there was no shirt, just the suspenders holding up his pants. The teacher thought to himself, how am I going to whip this child? But if I don't, I will forever lose control of this class. So he said to the boy, son, how is it that you have no you have no undershirt? The boy answered, my father died. My mom's real, real poor. And I only have one shirt. And on the day that she washes my shirt, I wear my brother's coat so that I don't get cold. I'll have my shirt tomorrow, but I don't have it today. The teacher slowly got the got the paddle. And while mustering up the courage to inflict punishment, Big Tom stood up, jumped over everybody in his way, walked over to the teacher and said, if you don't object, I'll take Jim's licking for him. The teacher made some philosophical statements about the right for suitable punishment and off came Tom's coat. After five hard strokes, the teacher paused and realized that everyone in the classroom was crying, especially little Jim, who by the time by by the time was hanging on Big Tom's neck for all he was worth. He cried. Tom, I'm off a sorry I stole your lunch. I was so hungry. I will love you till I die for taking my licking for me. This broke the heart of all those hard nosed kids and broke the hearts of the teacher because of that day Tom had become his brother's savior. Hello. You and I have broken the rules, haven't we? Haven't we? But one day the Lord Jesus came into our classroom, took off his coat, scratched himself out on a wooden beam and took the stripes we deserved. And that day he became our savior for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Our savior. I've said it so much throughout this, this here segment, which is Christ the Lord. Luke chapter two, verse 11. Do you know him as your savior? It's not enough to believe that he is the savior of the world. You must acknowledge that because of your sin, you deserve God's punishment and that you must trust in Jesus as your savior from God's wrath to express your desire to be saved. Mm. Just pray for your heart 
Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. That's what I deserved, and I know it. Today, I accept your punishment for my sin and receive your forgiveness. I accept you into my heart and life and to be my savior. Let this day be the day when you invite Christ to be your own personal Lord and savior. Invite him into your life, ladies and gentlemen, to be your very own personal lord and savior he is there to do it he is 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 there to get the job done and there's nobody else that can get the job done for you but the lord jesus christ ladies and gentlemen this has been my episode why the nativity why jesus christ remember out of everything that i said everything that you could you could have grasped from this understand strength understand presence Understand the, 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 the suffering, understand, understand his birth, understand why he's here, guys, for your sins, here to bridge the gap, here to, 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 to let you know that you still have the opportunity. And guys, listen, guys, listen, I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful. And I hope at the end of this podcast, if you're not saved, you have become saved and God will be able to continue and bestow his blessings upon your life ladies and gentlemen listen this has been my podcast i am so thankful for all of you guys tuning in on this very special day and this very special christmas eve saving guys merry christmas remember the reason for the season i love you guys i'll be back january 31st for that special 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 new year's day special i love you Newborn king to see our um, bum, bum. Our finest gifts we bring. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Crown Table Unleashed with Jeffy Clark III. If you found today's episode meaningful and impactful, share it right now with your friends and family. Tune in again right here, same place, same time. And remember, we're meeting you where you are no matter what time of the day it is. So to honor him, when we
Oh, 